Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. John 21. You remember that we had looked back on Resurrection Day at night when they had dined or when they got together, excuse me, they, for fear of the enemy coming and taking their life, the disciples hid. That morning Jesus appeared at the tomb to Mary and those that were there, not many were there. That night the men went and locked themselves up in a room and, and the Lord showed up. And then we went from there to eight days later, which was last Sunday, which was eight days after we began the resurrection awakening. On that day, and the first uh, time that the disciples were there, there was one disciple named Thomas that was not there. He would not believe that Jesus was risen. Even though he was around, he just couldn't accept miracles and so forth. But on the eighth day, he was there. He said, I will not believe till I show my hands, till I touch his hands and see his hands and his side. Well, that happened eight days later. Now, there was another appearance by the Lord, and we're going to look at this today. You remember Thomas said when he saw him, he said, my Lord and my God. Now, today, we're going to the last chapter in the book of John, and I want to show you something that I think will help all of us as we look at that next moment when now we have another gathering. Thomas is there at that gathering. And then there are some other disciples that are there that we'll get into in just a moment. And something wonderful is brought out. And I want to share that with you today. So would you listen as I read to you from the book, the Gospel of John. It'll be on the screen here. And I will read from the first verse. Now let me remind you of verse 31 in the 20th chapter. It closed with these words. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now listen to verse 1 of chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. They were together, Simon Peter, Thomas the doubter, called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto him, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we're going with you. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately that night, and they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish were laid thereon, and bread. 
Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you've now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus says unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then comes and takes bread and gives to them the fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. Now let me stop right there. I want you to listen very carefully. <clears throat> Jesus died because he loved us. He died because he wanted to make a way for people to be forgiven. In other words, all had sinned and come short of the glory of God, and so there needed to be a way for that sin to be paid for, because all sin has to be paid for. So God sent his son, born of a virgin, died on the cross, paid for the sin, even the sin of the thief that was hanging there beside him, who turned and said, remember me. And the Lord said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now when that story began to continue, there was a burial on a Friday and then on a Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave. Now, all of that needs to focus this morning on what does it mean to the life that you and I live every day? What did it mean to these guys? For the plan and the prophecies to be fulfilled to the uttermost degree of accuracy, and Jesus rose and then here comes common, ordinary people, the fisherman and his two business partners, the sons of Zebedee, who own the, the fishing company. And John, Nathaniel, and so forth, they're all there. And each of them have got to decide what are they going to do with their life. Now, remember this, they had all met Jesus. They had all met Jesus. And Jesus had changed their life. But when God changed your life, now what am I going to do with it? I know what I got, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. So here he had a fisherman, just went out of business. He's no longer fishing. He went fishing, but Jesus shows up and calls him out. He says, I got some other plans for you. Let me tell you something. The quicker you can find out what God's plans are for your life, the longer you'll have to enjoy those plans. I couldn't help but thinking as I was preparing this message some of my days in high school, while a lot of us were goofing off and just running around and chasing balls or hitting stuff with sticks or shooting marbles or something, of all things, some of my classmates in the eighth and ninth grade got jobs. Can you imagine getting a job in the eighth grade when there's all the things to do that your parents will pay for, even bailing you out of jail if necessary? But uh, I look around now that I'm older and I know some of those guys and gals. It's amazing how successful they've been. It's amazing the difference whenever you learn how to do something and you put that to work and you begin to use that instead of just this being a taker, become a giver. And you start giving of your time, your substance, your talents and so forth. And you look at a lot of people, they didn't have the good fortune to go to school, but they had the joy of working and they learned to work. They're the happiest people on the planet. You know who the happiest people on the planet are? The people that bring people to Jesus. The people who do the work God's called him to do. As we were just talking a while ago to the young lady sitting uh, at, over here on the first service, 
She won some people to the Lord last, last week. Go talk to Miguel, one of our custodians. Miguel won his first person to the Lord. I saw him yesterday at a wedding we had here, and he just said, I'm going to try it, I'm going to try it, and the person got saved, and he just been floating on the clouds. You'll read the story about it in the next magazine that comes out. So I saw Miguel yesterday, and I said, what do you think about it? He said, I'm going after another one. I'm going after another one. You know, hey, you know why a lot of you don't fish? Because you never caught one. That's the reason there's a difference in catching and fishing. But when you start catching fish, it's pretty much a lot of fun, okay? And you know what? It's fun to serve the Lord when you see people getting saved because you served the Lord. You gave that word, that look, that touch. You had some small part. Maybe you helped park the car. Maybe you welcomed in. Maybe you cut the grass. Maybe you worked in the children's division. Maybe you just sat in the auditorium and stayed awake. And somebody looked at you and saw you participating in the music, and it looked like you had something they didn't have. That's the kind of guys we're talking about. These are not the PhDs from the seminary. These are not the graduates with doctor's degrees from the universities. These are just plain, common, ordinary guys that one day met Jesus and Jesus changed their life. And Peter said, I don't know what I can do, but I can fish. He said, I'm looking for fishermen. We're just going to change the catch. And my goodness, look how good he was on the day of Pentecost when he preached and 3,000 people got saved on that one day. See, God's got a purpose for every one of us. He gives us different things. He gave Abraham a son. He gave Moses a rod. He gave John Mark an opportunity for a great career but they've been like working to work for Paul, been like working as the assistant to Billy Graham back in years gone by as a young person. And uh, whenever, uh, when Mike Huckabee was a young man, uh, he worked for James Robinson. I remember when he was the front person as a young, uh, young man, he was working as a, as a Christian believer to help prepare the way for James to come and John to sing and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's amazing how successful people become when they find their purpose and they get to work and they do it and they don't try to be like all the others that feel like that if I get a degree, I'll get a job or if not, the government will take, and, and will take care of me, but rather they say, I'm going to work, I'm going to work because the night comes when no one can work. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the will of the Father. We've all come to fulfill the will of the Father, but you've got to know the Father to know his will. And so we get back to our story. When Jesus appeared to this man and good things began to happen, it was time to put laziness aside, apathy aside, self-righteousness beside, criticism aside, preoccupation of, of work or hobbies or entertainment, put it aside, take up your cross, follow me, and he tells them, and it's interesting that this guy, John Mark, we'll talk about here in just a second, that he talks about how nobody has left father and mother and houses and lands and all their stuff for my sake and the gospel's sake, that they weren't rewarded a hundred times in this world as well as in the world to come. You never get ahead to where God owes you one. God owed us one thing and he didn't really owe us that. He loved us enough to send his son to die for us. He's fulfilled what he's supposed to do. Now we're to take up our cross and to follow him. You remember Gideon? He started with over 20,000. He ended up with 300. But those 300 were enough to bring down a city. You know, when you start off with God, like Peter, he could have quit. He, he, he said, I'm going to go fishing. And it's interesting, all his friends say, I'm going with you. You know, I don't think this following Jesus is for me. You know, this is not what I thought it was. I thought all it was was you filled out a card, said amen, got baptized, and waited for heaven. And uh, all you did is sit back and you'd be prosperous and healthy and happy and holy and on and on. 
don't work that way. There's a cross to carry. There's a burden to bear. But there is joy that comes, like childbirth, where the pain is at the time of the birth. But look at the rewards that come thereafter to those that God allows to bear children. You know, John Mark, he'd have had quite a testimony if he could have traveled with Paul for a bunch of those years. And if he could have been around those guys and see what God, what they saw, can you imagine what that young man could have done given a testimony in Sage Mount 5? I mean, if he'd have been there on the first night, can you imagine before the preacher preached, John Mark, you come and give your testimony. But he didn't. He quit. He left. He came back. But that's not the end of the story. I will say this to you. Anybody that gives up something to follow God, God says, I'm going to take care of you with a very special reward. You know, if you're away from God, he wants you to come back. Yeah, he does. He wants you to come back. He says, I've blown it. No, you haven't. There's power in the blood. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before when you start walking with him. All he's saying is, come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. But you're not going to rest until you go to heaven. I'm going to give you rest and I'm going to put you to work. I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to motivate you to get out and serve me. I think of all the attributes that I... I I have them, if I had a top five list, which I don't have, but I know this would be one of them. God can forgive and he can forget. I can forgive, but I can't forget. You know, if somebody offends me, I can forgive them, but I can't forget. Jesus said, I'll forgive and I will forget. And it doesn't matter what's happened. You may have given your heart to Christ. You thought you were going to do such and such, but you just decided you'd just go fishing, whatever that might mean to you, and get back into the things of this world. And decide I will not follow. I'm just going to go and do my own thing. Let me tell you. If you'll come back. God will receive you. You remember when John Mark came back. What happened? He came back. He did see a lot of the miracles. He came back. He realized that he had really hurt Paul and Barnabas. You know when somebody's depending upon you. And you let them down. It hurts. If you serve as a deacon. We talk about this all the time. On the staff, there's certain things expected of staff members. There's certain things expected for deacon. There's certain things expected if you're a volunteer and you lead a, an organization of volunteers. There's something expected of your volunteers. And when they don't participate, they miss the blessing. It does have a way of confusing people. But God still had a plan for John Mark and let him write the book, the Gospel of Mark. He let him put his book in the 66 bestsellers list all right and that was the man and when Paul was writing to Timothy young Timothy I think that as he wrote to Timothy that he had a double purpose for what he wrote because he said to Timothy he said I want you you know, you know he, he talked about bring me the parchment because he wanted to write uh, bring me my coat I'm cold he said, Demas has forsaken me and because he loved this present world. He's gone back to this present world. But then he said, bring me John Mark. That's a quitter, John Mark. Bring him back. He's profitable for me in the ministry. You know how I think he's profitable? Because he just didn't have a golden uh, resume. <laughs> I think when you read his resume, it says, Success, success, failure, 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 success, failure, failure, success. Goodness had more failures than successes. You know, God needs that kind of people. 
God needs to, 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 for people that will show that God does give a second chance, that he's a miracle-working God, that he forgives sins and he makes you over again. There's no question about that. But this is a guy. Read it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Well, you say, preacher, what do you suggest that I do? Let me quickly move this towards a conclusion with verse 15. We can go through this pretty quickly, but it's so important. There's other things to talk about that I don't have time to talk about. But listen to this. It says, so it, you remember they have the, 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 the fish out there, the fire, the cook. There's the hush puppies. There's the catfish or whatever where they were. And um, here's what it says. When they had eaten, when they had dined, and that is dining for fishermen out on the banks of the lake or whatever, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Joseph, Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And I can just see him going like this, this to all the other disciples that were sitting around the campfire. He said unto him, Yea, Lord, you know that I love you. He said unto him, Then go feed my little ones. Go take care of my little ones. Then he said a second time, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, you know I love you. He said unto him, Go feed my sheep. Third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Peter was grieved, the 17th verse says, because he said unto him the third time, do you love me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, then feed my sheep. He asked a simple question. Do you love me? Let me tell you something. When you love something, there's a giving up. If you love Jesus more than the world, you have to give up some things of the world. If you love your wife or your husband more than any. You give up some other things. If, if you love the Lord, the bride of Christ, the church, takes on new meaning to your life. What he said to Peter was, Peter, I'm going to ask you three times. If I can get these words, and this is the last time he ever spoke to Peter. He said, do you really love me? Do you really love me? Do you really? I'm going to ask you a question. You say, I'm a, I'm a baptized member of Sage My Church. My question is, do you love the Lord? What's the evidence? Is it there? Do, are you faithful to him? Do you serve him? Do you want him to live his life through you? Are you willing to let him live his life through you? You see, he had already turned back to the old life. And he had already had influence on the other disciples to come follow him. That's what happened. When a, somebody says, I'm giving my heart to the Lord, and then the next day they're right back out with their friends, they don't bring their friends to Jesus. Those that bring their friends to Jesus as those that see the change take place in the life of somebody that they know well and that they respect and they see how God changed them. And then they begin to listen. They begin to accept the invitation. Yes, I would like to go see that person that you say changed your life. You know, God cannot use some of us because, quite frankly, Satan has put in some of our lives some things that we're not willing to give up. Satan put them there, and we're not willing to give it up. Oh, it could be a thousand different things. You can just name your own list. You have to give things up. You have to believe his ways are higher. And following Jesus, secondly, requires taking on a responsibility. You hear about Sagemont volunteers. You, you hear about 
all of these things, Bible school coming up, children's ministry, students' ministry, choirs, orchestras, security, ushers, greeters, those helping those park and come into the building. The list goes on and on and on. But here's the point. No one follows Jesus without Jesus giving you some responsibility. Your responsibility may be to pray and to attend and to pray. But for most, it's to serve in some way. And when you serve, you are a part of everything that happens, that God gets the glory, but you get the satisfaction. You know, I had a small part. I gave a word, a look, and a touch to somebody in the foyer. And I looked down there and I saw him standing at the altar. Wow, what a blessing. You know, following Jesus is an act of faith and it goes all the way to the grave. It never stops. You can retire from the company, but you cannot retire from serving the Lord. As you get older, your responsibilities may change. But whatever God wants you to do, he'll give you the grace and the power and the gifts to do it. You have to continue, what now, Lord? What now? What now? I want to follow you until death. But following Jesus, it's personal. And as I close, you notice what he does? He looks over at John. Now, is this not typical? Lord, what about him? What's he going to do? Because I ain't about to do more than he is. You know, you're going to put me in the risky front line. You put him on the front line, I'll be on the second line in the attack. How many people follow the Lord based on what somebody else is going to do? You ever call anybody on Wednesday night and say, hey, you coming to church on Wednesday night? Because if y'all coming, we're going to come. Excuse me? Oh, yeah, we just enjoy fellowshipping with you. Well, that's wonderful, but you ought to come, not because somebody else is coming. You ought to come because Jesus has promised to be there, and you can hear from him. If you don't think Jesus is going to be here, don't come. Not Sunday morning, not Sunday night, not Wednesday night, not Bible study, not anything. But if Jesus shows up, don't be like Thomas. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's one thing to see it on film and hear it on tape. It's another thing to be there and feel the ever-living, resurrected presence of God through the Holy Spirit. There is no substitute for that. You can't put that on camera. You cannot put that on tape. You cannot put it even on iPhone. You've got to be there when the Lord shows up. And that's what the Lord looks for in all of us. Peter wanted to know what John was going to do. And you know what Jesus said? Now, the King James don't put it like this. So this is somewhat Texan, I guess. But the Lord said to him, Peter, what I do with John is none of your business. <laughs> now, what do you not understand about the Peter? Oh, I'm sorry, I asked a question. Now, I want to ask you, Peter, what are you going to do? You see, what I do and what you do ought to be based not on what somebody else does, but on what God did for us. He sent his son to die. Why wouldn't I want to live for him? Knowing that if I live for him, and you can put it, pretty much put it down, if there's 1,000 people come to Christ, there's been at least one person 
influence their life in a very powerful way before they ever gave their heart to Christ. So many of you, I want to compliment you. You're brand new Christians. And you're rekindling a fire in some of us that are older because you're so faithful to start bringing your family. You're bringing your friends. You're bringing your future husband. I mean, folks, that is what it's like. It's a fire that just rages whenever we latch on to God's plan and God's will for our life. Following the risen Lord Jesus is a personal matter. I know that. We make our own decisions. We live for ourselves. And we die for ourselves. There's some things that we call in counsel. There's some things we need to get along with God and talk about. But we will give an account. Here's what the Bible says. For every one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Peter didn't have to give the account to God for John or James or anybody else. And neither will you. And neither will I. But we will give an account of ourselves to God. So how is it today? What if the Lord were to call you? You have a personal life. You'll live a personal life. You'll die a personal death. You can trust God's word or you can deny God's word. That is a choice you have. All of us have a privilege given to us by our creator to be born again and for our sin problem to be cared for. Not 80% of us, not 95% success rate, 100% success rate. No one comes to the Father and is rejected if you come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is your decision? I go fishing or I'll follow you, Lord. I'm following him. What is your decision? Thank God. Peter changed, changed his plans, told him to throw the bait away, sell the boat, get rid of the nets. I'm headed to serve, and the next time I go fishing, I'm going to get me a guide, and they're going to have to skin all the fish, find where the fish are, pay for the boat, pay for the motor, pay for all the insurance, and I'm just going to come home and eat the fish. That's better fishing than being the guy that owns a company. Amen, Wade? All right. Now, what are you going to do? You going to go fishing? Go shopping? Go getting entertained, whatever? I just plan to travel the rest of my life. Nothing wrong with traveling the rest of your life. Just win everybody to Jesus wherever you go. It'd be wonderful to just put people on every planet. Wherever you go on vacation? We married the Caprivas yesterday. In a few days going to Rome. You've had them to the Holy Land, right? Now they're going to Rome. We talked about it. So we're going to tell people in Rome about Jesus. About Jesus. Well, that's where the Pope is. That's all right. Tell them about Jesus. They all know about the Pope. Tell them about Jesus. All right? But you see, that's what the Christian life is about. As for me and my house, we're just going to serve the Lord. Wherever he leads, I'm going to go. And wherever I go, he's going, never going to leave me, and he's never going to forsake me. He'll supply all of my needs, and I'm in. Count me in. If I live, I live in the Lord. If I die, I die in the Lord. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord. Come on, devil. Bring it on. Because when I can't handle it, I'm going to step back and say, Lord, get him. And then I'll just be there to celebrate and say, I told you so. I told you so. Because he that is in us is greater than what? He that is in the world. Now, would you bow your head and close your eyes?
The Lord knows where the fish are in the bay, in the gulf, or wherever. And he knows where the fish are that he's trying to reach in this world. In all the countries of the world, many are unreached people groups. But there's many right here in Houston where unreached people have moved into the city of Houston. This is our Jerusalem. This is our spot. The church is the bride of Christ. And we are responsible to see that the church, all of our services are in one accord to bring people to Jesus who need a purpose for their life and need a Savior and need their sins forgiven and their sins forgotten and to find a place of serving that will bring joy unspeakable to them as they see their life affecting others for the good of man and for the glory of God. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I want to encourage you to bow your head for a moment. Keep it bowed. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you've never prayed like these you saw baptized, or maybe some friend of yours that you came to see baptized, say, what happened to them? One day they asked Jesus into their, into their life. It's a very simple prayer. It's just simply, God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. But I'll be glad to word the prayer for you if you'll pray it with me. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I do need to pray a prayer of forgiveness of sin in my life. I need to be born again. And I'll be praying with you. If nobody raised their hand, I won't even need to pray. But I know there are many of you here that do. But I just want you, every head is bowed now. I'm looking, but no one else is to look. Because I need to know what I need to pray before I close this service. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm a sinner. I'm just like everybody else in this building. But some of them have a Savior, and I've never asked Jesus to take care of my sin. And I want to do that. I want to do it right now. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to, we're going to claim that promise, and I'm going to lead you in what we call a sinner's prayer for forgiveness and for eternal life. Would you just say, Pastor, if you'll lead in the prayer, I'll pray that prayer right where I am. Would you just slip your hand up? Wherever in the building you may be seated, just lift it up. Lift it up. I'm going to look around to see the hands that are up. And if your hand is up, I'm going to pray. God bless you. You and the terrace, I see one, two, three down here, four here in the middle section, up way up in the terrace over here. Anyone else now? This, we're not going to have you stand in a minute, okay? God bless you. I see others lifting your hand. All right. Now, God sees the hand if I don't, okay? Sometimes the lights affect what we see from here, but they don't affect the light of heaven. God sees the hand, and God knows the heart. So pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know, Father, that you love sinners. I am a sinner. I know you hate sin. I've tried sin. And I'm turning from sin. I want to repent. I want to turn from following Satan to follow you. And I will do it now. If you will come into my heart, show me which way to go, and, and walk with me. And when I stumble, pick me up and carry me to fulfill your purpose for my life. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.